Mark your calendars for the Mantle Ministries Roundtable discussion with Reverend Jerry Jones and Pastor Joel Urshan at this year's Kentucky District Camp Meeting. We're also pleased to announce the Mantle Conference, a conference aimed to equip the young minister. Guest speaker, Pastor Brosom. Several keynote speakers will be selected from our very own young ministers here in the Kentucky District. Listen to the Mantle podcast wherever you are. While at the gym, while cleaning, while commuting to work. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and the Kentucky District app. Everybody, very excited about my next guest. You know him. You probably went to camp with him or played basketball with him. He's a youth pastor. He is also on the youth committee. He's a lot of fun, and we get into a lot of different stuff. He has profound respect for his pastor, Brother McGraw. That just gave you a good hint. My next guest is Brother Jacob Blair. Why don't you put your hands together and welcome Brother Jacob Blair to the Mantle Ministries podcast. Brother Jacob Blair, how are you today? Doing good, sir. How about you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, we go back a, a ways. I remember our camp days back on the campground, the blacktop, no AC, and you know what? What was a gym growing up? Exactly. And, and uh, we, uh, you know, we probably got finding Jesus at camp was the was the struggle. You know, <laughs> it was it was uh, trying to make the all star team at times. It was, um, of course, I only made the softball all star team once. And I got called out twice over some technicalities that I'm still bitter about. <laughs> but you were on it every year. So, I mean, the Lord blessed you. You were highly favored in this venture at camp. And, um, I mean, at least we didn't have double rims on the campground back then. So we were able to survive. Um, I, of course, um, not to uh, embarrass you, we've always been super, super skilled on the basketball court. You, my brother-in-law, Blake, and so on. So we didn't get to, uh, our friendship relationship did not get to, we didn't bond over basketball. We couldn't because I couldn't hang, you know. But um, it was exciting to see you now. You youth pastored uh, several of my, several, my two sister-in-laws for a long time. Yeah. And uh, a lot going on. Um, and you're on the, the youth committee board trying to help us impact the generation of tomorrow. Yes. And for all that we can, you know, we're trying our best for for sure. So, um, hey, let's let's start here, okay? I promised I would I'd set you up. It's like T-ball. Yeah. I'll build it up. You just swing at it. <laughs> so our theme is the mantle. It's Elijah and Elisha are united by this mantle. It looks like a mere piece of cloth, but it's more, it's their relationship with each other and greater their relationship with God. And so we'll talk about having a relationship with mentors and also with God and so, and so on. So we emphasize so quickly Elisha takes the mantle of Elijah, and then we just preach about pray, fast, you know. But we 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 kind of rob Elijah. He was going through a lot. He was in the ups and the downs of his ministry, fire from heaven in one moment, depressed the next moment, saying, Lord, let me die, hearing a still small voice in a cave, a lot going on. Yeah. And the Lord asked Elijah, why are you here? A still small voice. This is like an existential crisis in Elijah's ministry. And Instead of like really getting into like the intentions of Elijah, God says, here's what we're going to do, okay? I'm going to help you get out of this of this this rut. I want you to go and invest in a young man named Elisha. Mm. And he went in this season, in the thick of ministry, you know, trials, struggles, he goes and invests in, in Elijah and Elisha. And I don't know about you, but whenever I've seen someone in Elijah, in my perspective, someone invest in me, 
the first time that mantle hits the shoulders like he did on Elisha, you sometimes you're surprised. Who who were the Elijahs in your life, or still the Elijahs in your life? Maybe ministers that pastor you locally, maybe someone you've seen from afar, maybe an influence that you've read. What what's inspired Jacob Blair? What what ministers, what people in your life like inspired you, activated you, and have helped you out? So for me, definitely the number one um that comes to my mind is my pastor, Pastor McGraw. And well-known in the Kentucky district. I tell him all, yeah. I'm like, we go to events and he's like, I'm trying to get out of here as quick as possible. I'm like, dude, you're a celebrity in Kentucky. <laughs> like I know people yeah. like that term, but everybody knows him. He's incredible. Um, and when I moved here, um, when he put his trust and his faith in me to take over a youth group at greater faith, I was 23 years old. And I was like, this guy is incredible. He's amazing. His ministry is, in, is uh, amazing. And he's putting his trust and his faith in me. And I was like, it just, it stirred something up in me that that guy would take the time to not only just talk to me, but put his faith and trust in me. And it's just yeah. those things that um, he's just an incredible person. He lives his life just like you think there's nothing hidden. And um, I love my pastor. He's incredible, but he has been that person for me time and time again, whether I fail, whether I make mistakes, whatever it is, he's always there to help me get up. Um, he believes in me. And to have somebody like that believe in you, it does wonders for you. Um, and I'm just so thankful that I have somebody like that in my life. You know, Matthew and I, we, in this question, we kind of got fixed on the word permission. And I think it's it's a simple word, but it's a real thing. Like Elijah's, Elijah, specifically Elisha, they don't happen by themselves, mm -hmm. right? We say talent makes room for itself. And we say that to people like, to, hey, work at it. Don't worry about it. But there's no Elisha that happens by himself, right? So when that mantle goes on, permission. And you just said it. Like to have someone like that you look up to believe in you, it awakens, it stirs up. Yeah. What did it stir up in you? Like as you're, put me in your mindset. You're starting to youth pastor. Like was it hunger? Was it burden? Was it kind of this existential? Like if someone invests in their life, such as my pastor, and they're thinking that I can do something akin to that, like what does that do to you? Yeah. So with him, I want to, and I know you're, everybody says you want to have your own ministry. You do. But I wanted to strive to be just like him. Like, yeah, I remember, yeah. um, so we both live in Winchester and this may sound mm -hmm. crazy to people, but I remember coming to him, talk to him and he, he's so busy. I mean, pastor church, we have so many people always trying to meet with him. I was like, how can I get time with him to learn from him, to, to just see what his burden is, all these different things. And bro, I remember I would wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and meet him in Winchester and ride with him to church just so I could spend 30 minutes with him. And I was like, just from spending 30 minutes with him, it's like, I want to be better. Like, it's one of those people that <laughs> I want to have a better walk with God. I want to do all these things. And I'm talking to him like, what is it that you do? What are the things that you that you wish you didn't struggle with? The things that you could get past in your in your past, all these different things. And I just learned yeah. so much from just spending 30, 40 minutes with him. And people would be like, why would you wake up at seven o'clock in the morning to do that? I wanted to learn from him. And I yeah. just like him, all these different things. But like, I couldn't find the time to do it. Like all these other people are meeting with him. They want to talk to him, all these things. But I, I, if you're like me, I love to sleep. I do. Away <laughs> <laughs> from me is not a good thing. But I was like, if I want to have time with him and learn from him, yeah. then I'm going to, what is getting up an extra hour early to spend an hour with my pastor and see what his burden is, what it is that he likes to do, um, what he wants for the church, what he thinks direction I should be going in, all these different things. And um, it's it's just one of those things with him 
that every time you talk to him, you want to be better and you yeah. want something else. And I just love that about him. What is, uh, what is this thing with Brother McGraw and is it Taco Bell, yeah. Pepsi? What is this thing? Like they give them for free now? So um, there's a Taco Bell close to the church and he's been going there for so many years that he pulls in there every morning before church. Um, I've experienced it because I've been with him. He goes to drive through <laughs> orders. They get up there. They tell him the total. He gets up there. They see it's him. The manager comes over. He's like, no, 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 that guy doesn't pay. Like they give it to him, all this different stuff. And then he goes on his way. Every Sunday, he goes to the same Taco Bell and orders a large Pepsi, and they give it to him every time for free. That is awesome. Yeah. And I think it's so funny. I mean, I know it's not, you've picked up a lot of other things. I, I can tell it means a lot to you, riding with your pastor. And I think every pastor listening to this and every young man listening to this, you just, to speak that glowingly about your pastor, right? I'm sure, you know, we'll send him the clip. I'm sure Brother McGraw will be moved. And I think every pastor wants their the ministry underneath them to feel the same way. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful thing you said. And I think that the Taco Bell antidote is a small part of like the, the just the relational intimacy of knowing like my pastor goes and gets, they give it to him for free now at Taco Bell. Yeah. And you'll be carrying that story for the rest of your life. You'll be telling when you're mentoring young men and women in, in various ministries, you'll tell them about when you rode with your pastor and you learn things. And, and I don't know if people, Brother McGraw, highly respected. I got to preach at your church once and uh, I was around your church a lot more than that just his family and everything he's a man of simple words mm -hmm. so like when you when he speaks you really listen yeah and he's not he doesn't he's not um put on by any means he is very comfortable in himself mm -hmm. he's very comfortable he will sit there and he will listen he doesn't feel pressured so when he speaks you're getting the honest this yeah. is him and so you have to first like me and you I, I don't know if people notice this podcast, but me and you, we have no problem speaking. Yeah. So like speaking fast, speaking about crazy things. And so for us, it's a little bit of a calibration. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to listen whenever a brother McGraw speaks yep. and I'm going to plant seeds in conversation so I can get the best out of those moments. Um, how, how was that? Like you're sitting in the car and you're like the first car ride. What was that like? It was like, okay, I get this privilege to sit in the car with her McGraw. Like, Hi, how's the weather? Yeah. Like, you want to talk about like gossip in the church? Like, what are we talking about? Like, how do you open up that conversation? So I would literally just ask him questions. Like, um, I would ask him, you know, like if you were in my shoes, like as you're starting a youth group, what would you want to do? Like how, what are things yeah. you, think you would need to work on? Things like that. And the thing that's funny about him, and you kind of said it like simple words, he, he'll be in the car and he'll just say a couple things. And he'll be like, brother, I'm talking so much. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and you're, yeah. I'm, And I told him, I was like, listen, I could care less if I ever speak. Like, <laughs> I just want to hear you. I don't care what you talk about. Like, I just I yeah. hear you talk about whatever. Um, but just the first time when I got in there, I was like, it's kind of like one of those things on my phone. I was like, I have talking points. Like, I have things I want to ask. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. I know these things. But at the same time, I have to look at my phone and be like, I'm so nervous to be in this car right now. Yeah. Because he's going to ask me some deep question. I'm going to be like, uh... Yeah, I, I'm not there yet. Like, you know, like, I'm here to learn from you. <laughs> Were you driving or was he driving? No, he was driving. And like, so another part of that is like, when he would go preach at places for the longest time, I would go with him. So, and I always want to drive him. He refuses to let me drive because I drive the speed limit. No matter what it is, five, <laughs> I drive 55. At 70, I drive 70. And he hates that. So he's like, listen, you just sit in that, that seat and you just talk to me. <laughs> You know, I think that's so cool. So, I mean, not to, this is a segue, like a professional. Like, you talked about how you 
you wanted to ride with your pastor. You you embraced that relationship. You invested. You did things that most people, young guys, are like, I never get to talk to my pastor. They're not doing the things that you did. Yeah. And but I think it's also cool, impactful. Cool's too simple of a word. I mean, this is a podcast with preachers, you know, and we're gonna use better words than cool. The fact that he invested in that that lets you ride with him and that he drove. And I mean, I don't know about you, I'm other people out there, but for you particularly, I know youth pastor, you've got different kids, different ages, and they, they view you in a way that's hard to imagine sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. You talk to one kid more than the others. Other kids are like, does he not love me anymore? Yeah. So balancing that attention and just blow that up on a scale where you're pastoring a whole church. Like the fact that he was willing to let you ride in the yep. car with him and, and, and speak to him and answer questions, I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it, it's alike the Elijah saying, listen, I, I don't need you for my ministry, mm -hmm. but like, what is this without someone else? Like, what if I can't move this on? Um, I spoke to, to someone recently, we, we spoke about how ministry can't just be goals. I just got to survive a Sunday or have a great year. It's about a process. Yeah. And if we don't invest in each other, you're investing, you know, I mean, you may not think of it this way, but when you invest in your relationship with a girl, you're investing in his life, yep. though you feel like you're getting way more out of it. Like he, that's legacy that you're, you're, you're good ground. And he's, it's an amazing thing that Elijah's and Elisha's have each other. And the process of this, if it's just about a goal, like, I just want to be me. I just want to have an accomplishment ministry. We could be very dry to one another. Yeah. But if it's about, like, relationship and process and building a culture, it's moments like you're expressing that change everything. Yeah. Being together. Yeah. And, bro, the thing that's so incredible about him, too, is if you talk to him, um, and I tell people this all the time because they're like, he's this powerful preacher, all these different things. And I'm like, listen, he thinks he is the least of these. He thinks that he can't preach well. He doesn't really? think he has good to say. All these different things like that. And, I, and I'm like, that is incredible how humble he is, all these different things. And you talk to him. And I remember one time, too, and it's incredible, man. Like, he was just asking me, he's like, what are your dreams? And I was like, what are your dreams? <laughs> if I can help you fulfill your dreams, you will help me fulfill mine. Um, yes. That's what mine has always been. Like, whatever his heartbeat is, whatever his thought process is, whatever he wants to accomplish, if I can help him accomplish those things, then my things will be accomplished along the way or later down the road. I, I'm not worried about what I've got going on right now. I can wait for those things, but I want to help my pastor achieve his goals, what his dreams are. That's what mm. the main thing was with him. And still Man, you just triggered me. So like towards the end, we usually hit a question about uh, Jacob and Joseph. Jacob at first was put off by Joseph's dreams because he's like, as a young man at Bethel, God give me dreams. Yeah. And he's calling my son. Does that mean God's done with me? And, and Joseph actually, before his dream came to pass, he had helped accomplish his father's dream. Israel is going to blossom in Egypt. They're going to survive the famine. Mm -hmm. And he helps take on the burden of Potiphar, the butler, the baker. And you and I are in Joseph's stages, right? It's like, God's going to use me. God's going to bless me. God's going to grow my dream. But realizing that if I invest that in other people's dreams, yep. it's going to help me. It's going to grow me. And you're investing in the culture. Your pastor's dream is the culture of his church. Yep. It's winning souls. It's what he's building. And you investing in that unlocks unlocks you. And so I think about, like, we're, watch this. We're on theme, kids. Watch this. It's going to be impressive. Elijah does so many miracles. Mm -hmm. And he puts the mantle on Elisha. And then Elisha's dream is to have a double portion. Yeah. Right? And he accomplishes it. But, like, I think that was Elijah's dream as well for the person that he passed on the mantle to have a double portion. Yeah. Like, 
he invested in that guy. You, I, you, I, there's two guys talking about a campfire in ancient <laughs> Israel back in the day. He's like, hey, I want a double portion. Yeah. And Elijah's like, let's do it. Like, I will yeah. invest in you. Yeah. And I think it's like, it comes back, and I know you've probably heard somebody say this, and I say this to people. Anybody that you're investing in, you want them to be better than you are. Yeah. And I think that that kind of like goes along with that. And like, I can't say that for sure, but I think Elijah was like, I want you to be better than me. You may right. have my ministry, but I want you to have a better ministry than what I had. Like, and I think Pastor McGraw is, is dead on like that, bro. Like he mm. is not like, I'm better than you. I will. I don't want to limit anybody. No, he is like, he wants everybody to be the best that they can be. And he doesn't care if you're better than anything like that. And I know I'm saying better, like we're comparing ourselves to people and people, you know, that probably sounds bad. But whether you want to admit it or not, we do like, and you'll compare yourself. And I know that's a big oh, yeah. people, but him, it's incredible, man. Just how humble he doesn't care about any of those things. And he's tried to invest those things. That's one of the things that I just love about him. And I was like, I want that. I want to be just like that. Um, but like, yeah, dude, just helping him accomplish his goals, his dreams, um, means more to me than anything. Um, but what was, um, we'll get into like, prayer and devotion but what was it like walking in his office like for the first time like maybe not the first time you ever did but like in that mindset like i'm listening to this pastor we have a blossoming relationship i don't want to try too hard but i also don't want to be too lackadaisical like can i crack a joke with him or should i be always like sensei like what what was that like going into that sacred place and being on your best behavior so bro when i first came into his um his office that was like the first quote-unquote time like i had a meeting like requested by my pastor and uh he wanted me to come into his office everything else that i'd ever had with my former pastor was like super informal you know like yeah. you could just talk out in the congregation whatever it was yeah um, and i get called in his office and you're walking down the hallway and it's like when you go to public school and you get called to the principal's office and you're like oh gosh what have i done like right I'm gonna go and everything when i first went in there i was like dead serious like i was terrified in a way like hey what's going to happen right here? Like I have no, yeah. what he wants to talk to me about. What is he wants to say? And he has a way when you talk to him about just making everything seem like it's, it's okay. Um, there's no reason to be nervous, anything like that. He just, and if you hear him talk versus preaching, like brother, like you can't, yeah, <laughs> it soothes you all this different stuff like that. So yeah, dude, when I first walked there, I was terrified. Uh-huh. He just made everything better. He was just like, you know, you can chill out. You can be okay. Don't be so nervous in a way. Yeah. Yeah. So you, it means a lot, right? When these, these, these men and women that we, that we see in that frame of an Elijah and, and the passing of the mantle, isn't just like a moment the, the end of one person's ministry doesn't have to be the beginning of another, right? You have an ongoing relationship with your pastor and you're not waiting for anything that you're entering into a stage of ministry and so the, the Elijah and the Elisha, they can they can coexist, they can cross over, um, and that affects us. Let's talk about carrying the mantle, right? You have expectations for yourself because you have seen expectations be set by men in your life, women in your life, such as Brother McGraw. Yeah. So that mantle, it's more than just, hey, preach. It's more than just obligation, just come to church, try to live for God. It's a higher thing. You feel it. It gets in your bones. It stirs you up. This mantle... That's the reason why a piece of cloth became sacred because it, this Elijah cried and those tears hit the mantle. Elijah went and ran from people trying to kill him, wearing the mantle like the fire fell from heaven and did it singe the mantle? Like the mantle was there for all of it, right? Yeah. And so when you take up the mantle, you carry it. 
Like, what does that look like? So you can be as expansive, you can be as as brief as you want. Like, there's probably someone that's watching that wants youth pastor one day. How does how does Jacob Blair get his daily bread? Like, what is there certain bread programs you like to use? Is it five minutes? Are you a morning person, night person? Let's start there, and then we'll get into like sermon prep and preparation. But like, how do how do we make sure like we live for God and, and be grounded in that? Yeah. So when I wake up in the morning, I get up at like six thirty, and I'll go brush my teeth, get ready, and as soon as I get ready, like I'll start praying. Um, and I try to, it's not like a time thing. I pray. And then when I feel like, you know, Hey, it's time to move on. Like I'll, I'll make my way. And then yeah. I always do this. Um, I am like one of those people, if I hear it, I'll remember it. Um, mm -hmm. so I listen to the Bible all the time. Um, when I'm driving to work or if I'm driving anywhere, if I'm driving to church, I'll plug in my headphones, um, whatever it is. And I'll listen to the Bible. Um, mm -hmm. and I do that throughout the day. Um, and then I'll pray again at night. Um, more than just praying with my daughter when she goes to bed. Uh, yeah. But, uh, that's, that's like basically the day for me. I don't have like a time, like a amount. Um, uh, yeah. but throughout the day, um, I'm listening to the Bible. I'm listening to podcasts. I love podcasts. I've been on podcasts mm -hmm. for a long time. Well, uh, looky here. It's like a, it's like a wish fulfillment. Look at you're yeah. here on one. It's a video podcast, which, you know, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, throughout the day I'm doing that, um, and I use the Bible app. Um, I know everybody has that. It's got and it's got the yeah. guy with the unique voice that's talking to you, reading the Bible, just soothing and all this different stuff like that. But they have emotions mm -hmm. on there. Um, and then there's other things you can do on there. You can track your notes. Um, you can even do prayer request stuff on there. Like it's really cool. Like so that way, if you like forget stuff or you want to put somebody's name down on there, you can do that. Um, yeah, that's mostly what I use um, throughout the day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we we don't because we're we're doing it. We're in the trenches in in ways. And so but something about it gets so mystical. It gets so like it's more about consistency than it is than about complexity. Mm -hmm. It and seasons are different. And I mean, I, I remember just getting up and I had to be at work. Um, it was like 645 had to be at the place. Yeah. And I remember just starting as young youth pastors feeling so condemned. Yeah. I have to be working at 645 and it's dark and it's, it's depressing. And, and I just remember like, I just gave up. I was like, you know what? I just, it won't work. And then God was like, like, okay. Yeah. Like if you, if you thought of my relationship as a, like a real relationship, like if you actually didn't think I was just a computer program, but you thought I was a person, you'd make it happen. Like nobody goes, I'm too busy to talk to my girlfriend today. Nobody does that. Yeah. You make it happen. Yep. And you know, like uh, I've heard preachers say, everybody has time to do what they actually want to do. Yep. And I just remember thinking, man, so each season has its own fruit. Yeah. Like there's a fruit for every season. So I started praying in the car. I started listening to, um, there's an app called Dwell mm -hmm. too. It's paid. So it's not as accessible as the Bible um, app. And um, it has like, you know, fancy voices and music in the back. Cellos playing like, you know, it's angelic where you're mm -hmm. listening to stuff british irish american accents anyways i digress it's not a sponsorship they haven't paid us for this but then i start praying at work and i'm not saying still time for your work okay people in the comments chill out i had a unique job where i would be working alone at times in an office and i was like listen if i can't feel comfortable enough to pray in this place like what am i doing yeah like he split the veil so we don't there's no I, he's not trapped in a building and it made me have to focus on 
having a living, breathing relationship with God, right? I'm sure you can testify to this. When you live a everyday real life and you have a full-time job, it actually doesn't have to break your faith trying to be devoted and pray and listen to the Bible. It actually can build resilient faith. Yeah. I mean, because bless God, the Israelites were in captivity, learning how to pray away from the temple. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it just, it stretches you and it, uh, it builds you up. So you, you, let's talk about some preparation. Okay. Um, which is, I know it's funny you and I talking about this. I know we feel like we're still pretty early on in this season of ministry. Um, you know, I, I, for, for me, I've been preaching, be consistently about pulpit for the last, I would say the last nine years, but the last five years where I actually could help somebody. The first four years were like, it was more for me than them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, thank you for blessing me church by listening to me. Yeah. This, your ministry. Bro, makes me, um, I remember one time I came down and a uh, lady was like, uh, she was like, brother Blair, you're getting better. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, sis. Yeah. Thank, thanks. What was that like your first time preaching? Like, I look, I don't know if you read notes when you preach. I don't know if you have jumping off points. Like, what was it like? Put me behind the pulpit. Like, you have your notes. Like, how'd that go? So I had my notes. I thought, oh, man, this is going to be 45 minutes. Three yeah. goes by, and I'm like, the musicians can come. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, I got up there, and I had done all my notes, everything like that. I was like, this is going to take forever. Speed run. Just like nonstop going, nervous yeah. wreck. I was like, I've got this all down. I know how to do this. Blah blah blah. I got there, nervous wreck, and yeah, read through that thing ninety miles an hour. And as soon as the musicians they got to their seats, they were back up there. <laughs> hey, you know, I I have um, a grandmother that actually I was, I was just dating my wife at the time as my first Thanksgiving at at their their family Thanksgiving, and grandma. I mix them up. There's grandmas, there's mammals. I can't keep. Mm -hmm. but I don't know who's who. I know who who. I just don't know the name per person. So I call one grandma and everybody in the house gets offended. You know, that's mamaw. But grandma or mamaw asked me to pray over Thanksgiving. Okay. And it was, I was a young preacher. So I knew I was being set up. It was like my father-in-law, he'd set me up with this. And I guess they would want me to call down the Shekinah glory from heaven. You know, make the, make the turkey resurrect from the dead. <laughs> that's the pressure. I felt rise up. Um, and I literally said, you know what? God bless his food in Jesus name. And literally... Because the whole family's there. That's a big deal. Like, Grandpa usually prays, mm -hmm. like, you know, longer. And then she said, bless God, I didn't even have time to, to shut my eyes by the time you're done with this prayer. And I was like, listen, I believe in God so much that I don't need a long prayer to bless this turkey, yeah. bless God. Like, that's how strong my faith is. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. So, like, are you a, are you a write it down verbatim kind of person? Are you a like bullet points like how, how do you go about preparing a sermon so it's a little bit of both i do write down like everything for the most part um but there's things where i'll go off on my own like and it's mm -hmm. like i'm like at this point in time you could go off and talk about this um just different things like that um but for at first that's what i always tell people i'm like when you're first starting out i was like you may <laughs> you may want to write it down exactly how you think you want it to go because you'll get up there and you're like oh i'm not nervous i'm not nervous yeah yeah, I'm 28 and I've been preaching since I was 19 and I'm still nervous every time I get up there. Yeah. You'll get up there and you'll think, I don't need notes. I don't need all stuff like that. And you get up there and you draw a blank mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, well, this I had this all figured out until I got up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I used to um, I, I used to do everything um, just exactly how I wanted to go. Now it's like a mixture of both. Like I'll have how I, what I want to say. 
And then I'll have bullet points or um, just something off the side, like, hey, you could go off in this direction at this time, just depending on how everything's going. Yeah. Um, do you feel like, I think there's a struggle that we usually don't talk about um, with young preachers. Like I had a, a situation, we had our kind of the five minutes of fire, bring the new year, multiple ministers, you know, rapid fire. Mm -hmm. And we had two guys, I call, I say young, one's 25. Um, he's probably four or five years into a, a pulpit ministry, teaching ministry. Um, and then one, this was his first time ever preaching behind the pulpit at church. Um, and I, disclaimer, this this is about all kinds of young ministers. We're just two preachers talking about this. Um, so first time, he's spoken at a couple of our Coffee in Christ, which are like hyphen and youth group show up and we have coffee and they speak for five minutes. And he'd only been coming to church for a year and a half uh, at the point that he preached. And he asked me for a Bible study. He was super hungry. He got the Holy Ghost three weeks later, got baptized in Jesus' name. Very hungry, like took on a burden for oneness. Like, you're like, I, I just, I, I didn't do any work. Like he did all the work. Like, mm -hmm. this, is, this, is, this, is this ministry? Like, if this is ministry, I'm like Yoda at this point. Like, yeah. I cannot believe. And he, he asked me to speak at this Coffee in Christ. And I was like, are you, you sure? He said, yeah, because I've had people ask me to do it. And I, did, and I let them and it's like, probably shouldn't have asked. Probably should let me leave you in the roaster a little bit. Mm -hmm. Bro, he crushed it. He crushed it. Like. It made me mad how well he did. I was like, listen, all these years, you skipped four years of like struggle. He asked me to do it again. He did it again, crushed it. Third time crushed it. It's like, finally, you know what? We're going to get you up there. So I got up there. It's honestly unfair. Like literally he had tone. He had tempo. He, he, I could tell he'd never heard people go like, ah, clap. Cause he stopped. He was like, wait a second. I've never heard that feedback. Yeah. And he preached. And at one point he said, he said, God called Jeremiah. He said up the point, God called Jeremiah and God, you know, saw Jeremiah from a, as a child and he was building it and building it. And Jeremiah did this and that. And his tone was gone. He was like, and God has called you. At that point, I was like, <gasps> yeah, like I was crying. It was like seeing someone score a touchdown. I was freaking out. Um, but he, I remember when I went to go up with him to introduce him, he said, is my sermon right? He said, the songs don't quite match. The tone doesn't quite match. Should I, should I change it? And I was like, listen, no, like, if like, there's times to be sensitive to the spirit. There's times, but you're not there yet really to know. You need to wait. God's going to honor your preparation. Like, yeah. God told the apostles, I'll bring back to your remembrance. He didn't say I'll magically download. Yeah. God's not going to be so powerful in this moment that he'll get you out of having me prepared earlier. Yeah. So like, do you, I'm sure early on, what was that like to be like, the song is not what I thought. They're hyped and they're supposed to be like tearful or they're tearful, supposed to be hyped. What was it like to say, like, listen, you know, bless God, I'm going to ride this thing. out. I'm preaching this sermon. I'm not saying be carnal and cold, but there's a there's a time to be like, God's going to, I know this is the word for the people. Yeah. And that's a struggle at first. Yeah, um, especially because you, you're first up there and you're um, like Pastor McGraw. Pastor McGraw, get up there on a Sunday and be like, God gave me this, but uh, this has been going on. I feel this. I'm not even going to preach what I was going to preach today. And yeah. like, I, I remember being early on, it's like, yeah, I'm not there. Like <laughs> that, that can't happen. Like I know myself, yeah. I know I've heard from God. And that's the thing I think we battle with a lot is that we like, okay, we heard, we have heard from God. And then all of a sudden it comes time for when we're supposed to give our sermon. We're like, but did I hear from God? Like, and you, <laughs> yeah. you're like, yeah. what is going on now? Because the songs yeah. and stuff don't match up. Um, yeah. It's like, those are things I think we battle with sometimes. And it's just like, Hey, listen, God gave you this word and he gave you this for a purpose. I understand that you want the songs and everything to match up, but also let's see if you're going to be obedient. Um, yeah. But, Ooh, that's, but, yes, that's right. That 
like Peter, he's in the boat, and people think that he just saw Jesus and jumped out and walked on water. Mm -hmm. And like, because, you know, that's, I liken that to having a burden. Jesus is in my life. I feel his presence. I'm going to do it. But Peter first said, at your word, I'll step out. I'm like, we get so hyped up on these burden things that we don't, the burden serves the word. Yeah. And if I take the burden out of the boat and I drown, it was because I didn't listen to the word. Yeah. And like, that's the difference between us and we have to have spirit and truth. Yep. And I know we're speaking the greater movement things. That's what defines the apostolic minister is that we have spirit and truth. And you can be sensitive, but also constrained, you know, the spirit of the prophet, subject to the prophet. And I love that you said that, like, yeah, I can be super spiritual, but can I be obedient too? Yeah. Like, can I really go, I've prayed, I've fasted, I've dug the ditch and rain's going to fall. Like I've done it, you know, you know, you know, this is not, not on script, but I, mean you go back a little bit and and um our wives um have a relationship and so on what is that like i don't know about you what is it like being in a a young marriage having young kids serving youth ministry i know sometimes they look at us and they're like hey like you're the one doing it and you try to tell me i'm not the only one doing this like you don't understand how people look up to you yep and like if i'm preaching if i'm nurturing if my ministry is nurturing i preach and teach you're the nature. You're showing like what I believe. And if I say something and you don't show it, then they don't think I believe it. Yeah. And like, I've watched my wife counsel people in ways that I couldn't. I've, there's been stuff that like stuff, friends connect in ways I couldn't get them to connect. And mm-hmm. like, what is that like? Put us in the mindset of your young youth pastors, young married, young in ministry, making sure that your, your, your spouse doesn't feel like it's just you in this thing. Yeah. Um, and we had that that problem for a long time, um, or issue, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. Of my wife trying to figure out, and I'm shout out to McKenna. I'm out in her right now, and she's probably that's right. Yeah. But, um, just like, and I think that every minister's wife struggles with this at some point in time. Like, where do I belong in this? Like, yeah. what is my purpose in this? And um, bro, I've seen my wife talk to people, and it's like, I I can't do that, and yeah, different things, and then also like. My wife too, like if I say something, I go and preach and I go and say something, she'd be like, I just want to let you know, like, uh, you should probably word that differently or you should do this. Like, you know, <laughs> like let's, let's, let's change that. Let's, let's do this. And yeah. like, it's that person. Um, but yeah, it was just like one of those things, like, where do I belong in this? Um, and, and do I serve a purpose in this ministry? And of course, like my ministry is nothing without her. Like, and I, yeah, sounds like drastic or whatever it is but um so yeah. times i couldn't tell you and um i used to hear people say this all the time when i was growing up they would ask about a minister and they'd be like but what about their wife like mm-hmm. how does she carry herself how does, uh, different stuff like that um yeah and my wife bro and I, my wife's incredible the way she acts the way she carries herself everything like that and the way she can talk to people um in a way that i cannot um and my wife has always been this person and that's helped me a ton is that like somebody will do something and you're like, in the moment you're like, I can't believe they would do that. Or I can't believe they would say that. And you're thinking, and my wife is like, why don't you think about it from this perspective? Why don't you think about where they're coming mm. from? And I'll stay, and I'm like, why would you do that to me? Like, yeah. why are you making Don't make me have an out-of-body experience thinking about their woes yeah. and their, yeah. 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 You know, uh, when you said that, I was thinking, I had a, a situation where I was, I was saying that how, how why are they acting that way? I don't see it. Like, it's crazy. They're thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And little things, big things. We do this all the time. Like, where are they coming from? And then like, it takes more than just saying like, Hey, this is the truth of the situation. Like you, you handle situations with young people all the time. 
and both parties are fighting. Sometimes they're kind of both right, and it's it's hard to discern. And and like Solomon's like, hey, let's just, we'll split the baby, and you're like, that's a awful way to do it. And he was like, no, I'm smarter than that, Jack. Watch, yeah. one of them's gonna freak out, the other one's gonna be like, do it, and he figured it out. Yeah, and so. Like I was thinking about truth. If truth is a mountain, it's fixed. It's not relative. Bless God. No young preacher in here is going to talk about truth is what you make it. Okay? Mm. Truth is fixed. And also our theology is also personal in that we always have to make sure that our faces are unveiled, as as the scripture says, and that we're beholding him with unveiled face. Mm-hmm. And that changes us one degree of glory after another. Our theology is a lens of, a lens of making sure we're the most unveiled as possible to see truth. So if truth's a mountain, when you're hiking to a mountain, you're starting sometimes from different perspectives, but you're looking at the same truth. Mm-hmm. Nobody's denying the truth, but you're standing on that side of the mountain. I'm standing on this side of the mountain. Yep. And I know I'm getting in the weeds here, but I thought about if I can't take them to where I'm standing in my perspective of the mountain, if I can't, can't go over there and get them, bring them back, and I can't find my place, maybe my opinion of the truth is, is wrong. If I can't find the trail that got me to this mm-hmm. this reasoning, that is ministry in itself. I see something about God, and I can help you get here as well. And in every area of life, I had this opinion. The mountain's fixed. But I, I'm going to try to walk you over to my where I'm standing, as they say, where I'm coming from. Mm. And I, I thought about that. I was like, they're not a bad person. They're just standing at a different angle right now. They're a little further in the vet. There may be a tree in their way. And it tests me. I accept the challenge. I am going to learn how to explain myself and walk you to where I'm coming from. Otherwise, if I can't get back, either I'm not right or I'm not very good about expressing it. Mm-hmm. And it grows me and I'm giving empathy. I think the fast thing that you have to learn as a youth pastor is you got to be willing to walk people to where you're standing. Yeah. Like you got, you can't just say, well, there's the mountain, bless God. You got to be able to, to, to deconstruct it, not to destroy it, but to rebuild the recipe. I mean, some of the questions I get young people, they're afraid, like, they're raised in it, and they're like, I'm afraid to ask about the oneness. I should know this. I'm afraid to ask about you saying baptism. I should know this. Like, what would you say to a young person? I know ministers, this is for, but there's young people going to watch this. What would you say about someone that's like saying, I feel trapped. I wish I was a new convert because I wouldn't feel embarrassed to ask the questions. Like, what if even if it's your own young people, like, what would you say like, to them? Don't be trapped by your context. Like, seek out truth. Yeah. Um and that's a big thing, bro. We've, we've, we found out, and I had the, the mistake early on in my ministry, especially with youth ministry, assuming that kids that grew up in church know no truth. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's not taking a knock at anybody or anything like that. But um, the thing is, and I remember being a kid like, bro, I couldn't explain oneness to you till I was like 19, 20 years old. But I grew up. Yeah. And, but it's just like, you're one of those people that I'm afraid to ask those questions because it's like the same thing of like, I'm afraid to give somebody a Bible study because of what they may think about me. And you're going to ask somebody, right. I don't know why I do this because, um, I should know this already and I'm embarrassed to ask it. Yeah. Um, but, but I do this thing like all the time in class, me and McKenna, um, we will, uh, we'll, we'll give a Bible study to the whole class and tell them like what it is that we believe and why we believe mm. all these different things like that. Um, yeah, because, um, you'll find that like what you're saying, like students, uh, young people, um, they don't want to be judged by their peers. They don't want to be judged by you, like all these different things. So they're so embarrassed to ask these things. So I have just always took on the perspective of when I teach or anything like that in uh, youth class or anything, Hey, I'm going to teach every single one of these kids, even though they've been here for five years or they're just here, 
I'm going to treat every single one of them like they know nothing about this. Mm. Because um, that's the thing, dude. Like, it's, it's hard for somebody to want to come to you and say, hey, I'm 16 years old and I can't tell you why we believe what we believe. Right. Um, right. But it's just something that we have to address um, as youth leaders, youth pastors, whatever it is that you're doing. Like, just don't assume those things. That's just because somebody's been raising this, they know it. I think we get out of it. It was such a, an easy trap to fall into. We'll hand out like a, a card to a new young person and check the box. If you got the Holy Ghost, check the box. If you've been just yep. baptized. And we're just so quick. And we think, well, that gives me the luxury to like not have to talk about it. And I think that even people that like truth is never changing, but you always can go deeper. So like, I didn't know everything about Jesus name baptism when I obeyed to do it. I saw actually 38. I saw other scriptures. I mean, I was six years old, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, but I obeyed it. And so obedience is not shackled by having to have a deep understanding or a very, um, a very new understanding of, of a scripture. You can go ahead and obey. And if you're out there watching, you can go ahead and obey. I don't know what I'm speaking to right now, but you can go ahead and obey. Um, but like, I realized I could talk about it enough to make them know why they believe it. And there's a next step. I can talk about it enough to make them excited about what they believe. Yeah. You know, it's like, we can get enough to get by and like, be like, whoo, I answered that person in class. Or like, you, you love it. Like you, you didn't know you were going to love, uh, you know, all these very deep, you know, existential verses about the oneness of God. But you're like in Isaiah now, you're, you're excited about it. And that's just the next step. You know, I'll segue into this. The mantle was more than just him putting upon ministerial obligation upon somebody. It was the spirit of it. It was the, it was the culture of it. And I think that what we're stumbling into here is that when we're teaching truth, you can either put truth enough on them to say, here's why you live it. Don't leave our church. Or you can be like, listen, Jack, that's not the mantle. Mm -hmm. The mantle's that plus you get bonus, yeah. like abundance and life and joy. Like, how does that, how would you speak to that? It's just like that next level of you can make people excited about truth. They don't just have to know it. They get to know it. Yeah. Um, and, and it's incredible, like, just adding to that, like, when you see that somebody else experiences truth and they realize it, what it does for you. Yeah, it refreshes you like um, but it's just one of those things um, that, like I said, you have to not only do you have to believe it, but you have to be able to show it and you have to be able to teach it to somebody else. Um, right. And that's what's so incredible. And I try and teach it to our, our students all the time is that I say, um, you know, how selfish is it of me to know truth, to say, I believe this, that I walk in this. But I don't want to see my friends. I don't want to see my coworkers, my lost family members saved. Um, and so it's yeah. things for me that not only is it is it incredible when you see somebody else, you know, that they the light turns on. Okay, I understand this. I believe this. But it's incredible for you because you know, like I said, it refreshes you. But then you have to teach them, hey, we're gonna live this every single day. Like we're gonna walk this. This isn't just like a one time thing. The way you're feeling right now. You could be this way forever, but we have to just continue to, to grow and move on step by step. We're taking this a day at a time. Nobody right. getting to like our pastor's level overnight. Like, and we think that we think that like, we're just going to be put in a microwave and like, it's just going to happen for us. It's a problem. Right. And it's something that just takes time. Right. I think that probably is the, the hardest thing to get past is just, I see a big gap between who I am right. and who I want to be and my mentors see it. 
And the biggest, it's a struggle too when you go to mentor people, you go to be an Elijah. And I know we're, we're under 40, but we're already being called to be Elijahs in people's lives. And I, I mention this every podcast, people are probably annoyed. This is like a key thing that like Samuel's mama gave him a coat each year and it was big enough for him to grow into the next year, but small enough to fit him adequately now. So there's room for growth. Yeah. And it couldn't just be snug. It couldn't, it couldn't just be super comfortable. He had to be a little, little uncomfortable for a moment to give him room to grow. And I think whether you're accepting the mantle or the coat or you're putting it upon somebody, I think we both sometimes get afraid of the gap. Like there's room for growth. Yeah. This coat doesn't fit me. It does. It's, it, it's your calling. It's adequate to you, but there, don't be discouraged by the gap of your knowledge, your understanding, your skill set. And I think also when we're giving mantles, especially as youth pastors, sometimes I have to pray and make sure that I don't let the gap scare me off. Like they've got it. They're there. And I can't, yeah. I can't be like, well, they're done. They'll never do this or never preach or they won't. You got to be, you got to be sensitive. No, no, this coat is appropriate, but I can invest in the waiting. What did that mean to you for people in your life? They're like, I put the coat on you and I know it's not snug yet, but don't give up. And what what do you feel about those around you that you're now having to minister to? Like, don't give up. I can help you get, I, I yeah. wore this thing first. I know how to do this. Let me help you get through this. Yeah. And the thing is for me, um, and I say this is like 99% of youth pastors, as you see students accept yeah. that for them and they're like, I'm struggling with this. It's like, listen, I went through the same thing and they're like it's so hard and i remember being young and my youth pastor telling me are um you know i went through the same thing you're gonna face these things and it's like you don't believe them in the moment and then yeah 10 years from now it's like they were right um right and you're trying to explain those things to them because we live in a in a time where like when people get knocked down especially young people always getting tore down dude at social media whatever it is texting all yeah people tearing each other down and people love to see people fail um, yeah, to kick you when you're down. But the thing is, I always try and tell my students and my kids, it's like, listen, it's okay to fail. It is. Um, but it's about getting back up. It's about keep going Yeah, because we, whether you want to admit it or not. And I know there's people out there that are like, okay, whatever we sin every day. Like, okay, we fall short every day, whether you yeah. admit it or not. Um, but it's, uh, it's for young people. It's so hard to realize those things. And they think, Oh, I've messed up. Like this is where it's the end. No, you pick it back up. You get back up where you left off and let's start again. Like let's mm. keep going here. Um, and it's so difficult, I think, though, for students, like I said, because they have these young minds. People are always be like, I know what you did. I know right. and all these different things like that. And they think, ah, I can't do this anymore. No, just keep going. We all have our faults. We all have our mistakes. But we're just right. going. You know, I was thinking about you know, getting back up. Yeah. Right. Righteous man falls. He gets back up. That's the mark of a righteous man. Yeah. And, and the, the key is like, if I fall willing to it once, the next time I fall to it, it I don't want it to be willing. Yeah. I, my, I want to begin to walk out of it. I want to leave Egypt, not go back to Egypt. Yep. And, you know, them living Egypt is a story of repentance, a story of, the, of, of God. He detoxes them in the wilderness. They're worshiping golden calves. They got Egypt on the brain. He's having to, you know, get it out of them. And I think of Esau repenting and, and he said he tried to repent with tears, but he couldn't. And he just, he, he stopped believing that he could be forgiven. I think he still believed that, that there was a God and there was grace. But he's like, I'm just done. I can't do it. Mm. And I tried to articulate, even when I was thinking as a younger man, I was like, so how far can I push this grace thing? Yeah. Okay. Without manipulating it. Like, where's the lines? Like, can I just sin and, and say, I'm sorry. Sin? Like, how do I do this? And 
um, I don't think this is special revelation. This is just Bible. So if I say it, I hope you agree with it. I the Psalms one says, "Blessed is a righteous man." On and on and on, and it talks about how we blessed is a righteous man that doesn't walk in the path of the wicked or see sit in the counsel of this and so on. And you can see a delineation of action. Basically, it's saying first that we we walk down the road of that person, the mindset, and then we we stop and stand in the way. And then the last thing it says is that we sit in the seat of the scoffer. Yeah. And I was remember I was like, okay, I don't want to don't want to walk in the way of the wicked. Okay, I don't want to window shop sin. And we've done that before. I'm not doing it, but I'm just walking by it. Yeah. That's the first step. And grace doesn't just cover up past mistakes. Grace can keep you from having to do them in the first place. Yeah. It's not just it's not just a band-aid or a janitor. It's preventative medicine as well. Yeah. It's both, but it and so I was thinking, I don't want to walk in it. And I definitely want to stand in it because first I could walk in the ideas that were sinful. And now I'm standing, I'm stuck. It's caught my, it's caught my attention. I'm at a point of decision. Yeah. First I was window shopping and now I'm like, <gasps> yes or no. How did I get to this place? Like, yeah. where did I go wrong? And then you sin, right? And you're sitting in the seat of the scoffer. And I don't know about you. I was like, why is the scoffer sound like the worst place to be? It's just a scoffer. I'm walking in the way of the wicked. I'm standing and I'm standing with, with, you know, the unrighteous. Why? Why is the scoffer the last step? Sitting down with the scoffer. And God hit me. He was like, scoffers, they speak to change how you perceive. Mm-hmm. Okay? And he was like, Merritt, you can fall and repent and get back up. You can you can walk in the way. You can stand there, get stuck. You can fall and get back up. So the problem is, is hey, you be careful. My grace is amazing. The problem is, though, if you sit in the seat of the scoffer, it's, you know, not to be people like, not me. Everybody does that post-game analysis when they sin. Yeah. What did I do wrong? Can I get back up? You have this reasoning loop before you repent. Mm-hmm. And God was saying, listen, the more you sit in that seat with the scoffer, scoffers speak to change the way you perceive. Mm-hmm. The more he can speak to you about that situation. And one day he may convince you not to get back up. Yeah. People don't get back up because I don't have enough grace. They don't get back up because they've, they've given up on themselves. Yeah. And Esau's crying and he's trying to repent, but he can't because he's stuck in the seat of the scoffer. Yeah. And I see that with young people. Like, Listen, don't sin willfully because you may change how you perceive and you won't want it again. Yeah. It sounds crazy, but you've, you've seen it and I've seen it in my peers. There's so many callings of people, so many Elishas that we grew up with that is like you were just, you just sat in the seat too often and you didn't get back up. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, we went to camp and you can see, I know it sounds sad, but you ever looked at a photo from camp and you're like, man, like these yeah. people, they had it. Yeah. They had it. You yeah. know, so. Anyways, I, that was my soapbox. That was my, my rant of, of the thing. So we've almost went 50, 49 minutes. Our goal is an hour. And uh, you, I appreciate you coming on. I think every, every young person that hears this, every young minister, I mean, I, I love the fact that you're able to share with us, you know, the first time you preached, uh, preparing notes. And I thought that the Taco Bell Pepsi thing was phenomenal. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we won't get in that much trouble from our wives for talking so openly. And yeah, honestly, about 30 minutes in, we cover so much ground. And I realized it's because both of us talk fast. Yep. Like we got so much done yep. in this time. Bro, I was preaching. I'm not trying to get off subject just real quick. No, go ahead. Uh, a rally. And uh, it was in Texas and it was for Josiah, my brother. I'm, yeah. I never look at my phone. I get a text message from him. I look at, he said, please slow down. <laughs> <laughs> He said, you're talking so fast. I said, if I don't talk fast, this message will be two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I won't get it out. I, I somewhat, when I was 
getting going. Um, like I said, you know, the, the church ministered to you more than you ministered the church at first. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was, I knew that I was at the point though, that I was actually helping people. And I knew like I was past the point of like, I was just garbage at it. Like I knew that I was becoming adequate. So you have to mm-hmm. build some confidence, right? You're like, listen, when I first started, I was awful. I'm open to suggestions, but now I'm developing. It's a fine line to figure out confidence and also humility. And somebody that didn't have the the authority or the trust, the interest to speak in my life, okay? They said something. And I still talk fast this day. It's just who I am. You know, just whatever. Get over it. So <laughs> they were like, hey, you just, you talk so fast, I couldn't. I don't know what you said. And I said, well, that's why we record it. Just play it back. <laughs> Felt like a boss. I was like, you know what? <laughs> I didn't even feel bad about it. Well, and it's like, and uh, like, yeah, I'm not trying to go off on something, but that's something too that I would say to people um, is that even as young people and as a young minister, I remember like always letting letting people speak into my life that had nothing invested in my life. And mm, you always yeah. hear from people. It's like um, uh, one of those things, like I can remember this uh, being that person, but like you're in the youth group and like we have KYC and that minister comes and preaches a great word and you want to talk to them and you want to, and you want to cry to them about what's going on in your life. But, your youth pastor who's invested countless hours praying for you, all sorts of stuff like that. Knows your issues, yes. knows your strengths. You want to talk to this. And it's like, as a young minister, the thing that I realize is that like, yeah, these other people, I could speak to them about what's going on in my life, but they're not invested in my life. And I'm not saying that to be a bad thing, but listen, when they leave that place, they're probably going to forget about me. I'm just going to be honest with you. Yeah. It sounds bad, but my pastor who has prayed for me, prayed for me, who has called to check on me, all these different things, all he's putting all this work, all this time on me. That's the person that I want to be investing because they're investing in me. Uh, right. The person that I want to put my trust and all this different stuff into. And I want that person to speak into my life more than anybody else. I, I was praying about this one time about how to invest in people's life and also who, who can invest in my life. Yeah. And, and so, something was bugging me and, and, and I, you know, I know people get weird when they say that God spoke to you, but he did, he, he stopped me and said, listen, never try to prune where you haven't planted. Yeah. And that's your issue here. You're trying to prune things that in people's lives you have not planted Yeah. and never correct in the moment in a field in which you haven't planted beforehand. You've lost the right to jump in and embarrass them. If you're not willing to do the lead work before mm-hmm. and God also is like, so Listen to the voice of those that are behind the scenes. They're like, listen, I'm not going to slam dunk on you in this social moment, the social setting and school you or come out. It's those that are willing to say, listen, I don't need the passion or the conflict at the moment to motivate me to invest in your life. I'm going to yeah. plant it here and then I'll get to prune. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it, I, you know, not to get into this, is like a marriage seminar right here. When you're married and your spouse, both sides, both spouses, we have to be mindful to not, even with spouses do not prune. We have not planted. Mm-hmm. And, to do the legwork when you're raising kids and in your don't do the thing in public that can be dealt with months before in private. Um, yeah. How do you want to raise your kids? What are the boundaries? How do they, how, how are they supposed to act at church or, or how, what can we joke about with one another? You ever been, we've all been there. I'm not even, we, yeah. where you're like, I, her, her, her humor is not my humor in this moment. Yep. Why am I getting kicked under the table? Yep. And then you have a full thing. And you're like, I could have fixed this months ago if I just did some legwork, you know? Yeah. yeah. And not to say, anyway. 
clarify, like I'm Go ahead. some other people can't speak into your life or whatever it is, but that's one thing that I think is very dangerous as a young minister and, and youth is that like, you have to be very careful of who you do let speak into your life. Right. And then, like I said, the number one person that I'm going to let speak into my life and that his opinion means more to me than anything other than God, obviously is my pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Let's in here. So we got five minutes. Okay. okay. Bonus round. So you're, you're a young man now, but one day you'll be older. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hopefully you have all your hair. Things will be going great. You'll be salt and peppered. You'll look, you know, wise and you're, you're passing on a mantle. Okay. Let's say you're like Jacob laying hands on the next generation. What would you tell the next person? Like, here's what you should know. Here's like, it can be just words, like be patient, be kind, you know, be humble. What would you tell them when you're praying? For, what would you impart? Like, this is the mantle that I want to give to somebody. Yeah. Um, the thing is for me, um, that I want, like when I, it's all said and done for people to say about me is that, and I know this probably sounds generic, but I've always tried to live my life this way. Um, is that I was a servant and I would tell anybody mm -hmm. to, and when we're talking about Elijah and Elisha, what I think is incredible about Elisha is that, you know, he does all these incredible things, double portion does all these awesome things. But we read in second Kings in second Kings, I think it's chapter three. It says like they're they're asking they're like is there not a prophet in the land, is there not a prophet? And then a servant says you know there's Elisha, and mm -hmm. they said it's Elisha the son of Shaphat and he is the one who uh, poured water on the hands of Elijah. That's what they mm -hmm. describe this guy. He's a prophet, but that's what I think is incredible because what is he known as? A servant. That's good. And right. that's what I think is incredible is that as no matter where you're at in your ministry, if you're starting out, if you're towards the end of it, at no point in time, do you start being a servant? And Pastor McGraw has taught me that, like, even though he's been pastoring for, I think it's 35 plus years, he will be the first one to grab chairs. He'll be the first one to do all these different things. And I'm always quick to try and like take stuff from him or like turn the lights out for him, different things like that. Cause I'm like, listen, you have done this for so long. Like right. somebody else can do this. Um, but that's what I want people to be able to say about me is that he was a servant, no matter where you're at in life and no matter what you're going through. And this is what I teach my students is that you may not know what your calling is. You may not know what you're wanting to do for God, but anybody can serve anybody. Right. And that's what I want people to say about me. And that's what I would tell the next generation, the, the next person that I was talking to, anything like that. If I was passing it to you, I'd be like, you need to be a servant. Mm. Let's end it there. Hey. He said it best. I, I'm not going to add to it. Thank you for listening to the Mantle Podcast today. Thank you, Brother Blair, for being on with us today. God bless you, everybody. Thank you. Bless.